Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. Every day is like a blank page. Some people encounter the page with fear and dread. Others encounter it with potential and excitement. Hello, my name is Aubrey Baptista. At Kindred Art Therapy, you will learn to be inspired daily rather than approaching each day with fear. For more information, visit arttherapync.com to book a free 15-minute consultation. My name is Alyn Davis. I'm a counselor and coach with a compassionate heart and a wealth of experience. My mission is to help people journey towards recovery, self-discovery, and holistic well-being. As a licensed therapist in North Carolina, I've had the privilege of witnessing countless individuals break free from the grips of eating disorders, trauma, anxiety, depression, and find renewed purpose in their lives. For more information, visit alindavis.com or click the buy button on this ad. I look forward to seeing you break free free. Welcome to Kindred, the show shining a light on local mental health professionals who are the unsung heroes of our community. Join us as we explore their stories, strategies, and the art of healing minds. Let's break the stigma and celebrate resilience together. This is Kindred, where understanding begins and healing flourishes. Today, I'm welcoming Brianna Hicks, who's a licensed mental health counselor and is the founder of Half Moon Mental Health and Wellness, a small but growing group therapy practice in downtown Raleigh, North Carolina. Brianna started Half Moon after coming out as queer later in life and finding a a lack of safe spaces for her to practice as a therapist and to get therapy of her own. Because of this, Brianna is committed to providing inclusive, affirming, and celebratory care to the LGBTQ community. Half Moon currently offers individual and relational counseling to folks of all relationship configurations and runs support groups for adults who came out later in life. Brianna is currently working with her partner and fellow therapist, Marley Tobin, LCSW, on starting a new business geared towards providing more intentional experiences for queer folks with a focus on building community and inner vitality. Welcome, Brianna. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So will you tell us a little bit more about like how your own personal journey of coming out really informed Half Moon? Sure. It's honestly been a really transformational few years for me. Um, I, I didn't really know this part of myself until I found myself falling in love with my best friend who was a woman and it really shook my understanding of who I was. And as I was kind of processing through that and, and personally trying to figure out what that meant for me, I found myself in a, a space that really wasn't super safe. And so ultimately felt like I needed to make a change to get myself to safety. Um, It really wasn't my intention to start a business. I tell people that I was like an accidental business owner. I still sometimes feel like I'm an accidental business owner. Um, But I think what I really found was that I, I just couldn't find a space that felt like it was not even just accepting, but really affirming and celebratory of my identity and of my relationship. Mm. And so it really led me to wanting to create that space. Yeah. I, I like what you're saying there in terms of like, just, um, you know, like just creating that safety for yourself. And I'm wondering, like, like, 
you know, for those of us who may have less informed care in terms of like the LGBTQ plus community, I'm, I'm including myself in this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, what are some things that may just because I, I imagine that there's a range of safety issues, right? Like going mm-hmm. from microaggressions all the way up to like overt discrimination or, or even um, anyway, but I was, I was going to ask you more to describe like, what do you see or how, what do you experience on your end of things in terms of a lack of safety? You know, I think that it, to your point, it really ranges from very overt uh, aggressive, non-safety, non-accepting spaces where, you know, it's very clear from branding, marketing, from looking at a website that this is not a space that feels safe. Um, and that might be things like practices that specifically state that they are coming with a religious frame in doing therapy or who use gendered language when they describe their clients, which can be really exclusive for folks that don't identify within the binary, um, to things like when you walk into a therapy practice seeing only um, a men's and women's restroom. Mm. And so, you know, some of those kinds of things, in addition to representation of different types of identities, whether that is, um, you know, like specifically gendered or um, clearly one type of person who is working at a practice. And so, you know, I think that when it comes to safety, it really can run the the gamut between just the way that you read through how folks approach care to more overtly stating, you know, that they, they provide marriage therapy to men and women, which I think pretty clearly says like we are excluded if we are queer. Hmm. Okay. So it's about like reading between the lines and, and if it's not overtly saying that, that we're welcoming and including of um, those within the LGBTQ plus community, then, then there's, um, then there's, then there's ways to see that, that that's just not, that's not the safe space for you. Yeah. I mean, I think at least for, our ethical code, and I'm, I'm not sure, I can't remember, Aubrey, if you are an LCSW or an LCMHC. Mm-hmm. Uh, LCMHC. For our ethical code, then you know, like we have to be inclusive of all folks, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a part of us providing care to people is that we are um, respectful and open to treating everyone regardless of race, ethnicity, gender identity, sexual orientation, etc. And so, you know, it would be in violation of our ethical code if we go on and say explicitly, like, we do not accept working with LGBTQ folks. That would be completely problematic and could potentially lead to us losing our license. But so a lot of what I've seen is that people will be more uh, kind of sub subversive about it. They'll kind of hide behind some of their language rather than explicitly stating that, Um, saying things like, I don't have the expertise in working with the LGBTQ community, and so therefore I don't treat them, which can feel very othering and, again, unsafe for people. Hmm. Okay. So the the clients that you uh, welcome into your safe space, um, do you run into experiences where they have also had a shared experience where there was not safe spaces and other um, counseling experiences? 
Unfortunately, yes. And, and that's the thing that just feels so sad to me because therapy is such a vulnerable and hard experience. And I tell people all the time, it's it's the type of relationship where you're expected to show up and, and share your deepest hurts and your hardest secrets and your you know worst pain with a person who you ultimately don't get a whole heck of a lot back in response to. And to enter into that relationship that's already very um, kind of uh, different in terms of the power dynamic, right? And that you as the client are sharing more than you are getting in response from a therapist. To also be harmed in the scope of that relationship is just so damaging. Hmm. And we do see a lot of those clients that come into our practice who have had those kinds of experiences with other therapists. And it's just so disheartening. Hmm. Yeah. I imagine, you know, having been through that yourself, you can really identify with that. Definitely. I mean, I, I hate that for my own experience, both in, in having other therapists' values kind of imposed on me or having even places that I've worked feel like they're imposing their values on me. But I feel like I have within me the, the resilience and the understanding and the knowledge of how to get myself to safety, but not everybody does, you know? Yeah. So they may end up, you know, staying in a therapeutic relationship that's continuing to not be safe. Exactly. So, well, I mean, it's, it's awesome that, Half Moon offers both individual and relational counseling to people, right? Um, I guess what I'm wondering is like, how do you how do you tailor therapeutically, like, to meet the needs of your diverse clients? Like, how do you specifically tailor that approach? So I think a lot of that really comes down to making sure that the therapists that work with me um, and myself included, of course have received additional training in working with expansive gender and sexual identities as well as expansive relationships. Um, And even thinking about just like how some of our clinical training, whether in grad school or beyond, really tailors towards binary gender identities. It really tailors towards one type of relationship having more of a training and background in understanding, you know, what does it look like to do therapy with a polycule as opposed to one couple where it is just two people in the room? Mm. And how do you do therapy with somebody who's in the process of transitioning? And what sort of supports and, and needs does that person have that you may not run into somebody who doesn't have gender identity concerns? Um, And so a lot of that looks like training and offering support to the clinicians that work with us that they need in order to better meet the needs of our clients. Um, And we also do a consultation group, which I think makes a big difference, too, for us to be able to talk through what is happening, what resources do clients need that maybe clinicians don't know about. Um, Because I think a lot of what working with the queer community includes is also knowing that folks are needing more than just therapy. They're oftentimes needing referrals to other services. They might also be looking for referrals for more holistic and and wellness type services and having spaces that feel safe and affirming and celebratory for that is also a part of our role. Mm. 
And do you foresee in the future, like being um, a leader in the industry in terms of like providing some of that consultation and uh, just trainings to clinicians uh, throughout throughout the counseling community? I would love to. I mean, I think that that would be a really incredible opportunity to be able to create more of a, a larger conversation, because I think that this conversation is happening a lot within the community of queer therapists. Um, mm -hmm. and, I, and I exist in a little bit of a vacuum on that, because I know that the people that I refer to who oftentimes are either very staunchly queer allied or queer themselves are safe. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it easier for us to have conversations about this stuff. But I don't think that it's as, as much of a larger conversation when it's not a part of your identity. And mm -hmm. so being able to have the opportunity to have these conversations with a larger group of people, maybe more of the folks in the majority would be an awesome opportunity. Um, you know, frankly, I think my own imposter syndrome sometimes shows up there because I'm new to the queer community. Mm. Um, you know, I came out only about two years ago, year and a half ago, realistically. And I have experienced some of my own um, kind of uh, pushback from folks, not only in the queer community, but in the majority in the straight community, because like, who am I to be the person to be running a practice that is specifically tailored towards the LGBTQ uh, population when I'm just getting into that? And so it's been a really interesting um, journey for me to kind of work through that imposter syndrome too. You're not a gay, gay enough for the gay people. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's just been so strange. And, and it's something that I've really felt a lot of um, some gratitude in the support that I've received from other late bloomers that I know who have struggled with this too, where they're, you know, like feeling a little bit othered from straight community, certainly, but also othered from the gay community as well. Yeah. And, and so where I'm, I'm thinking about like, you know, not necessarily like that I have a stance, it's more just like my limited knowledge, understanding, anything like that. And like from, the perspective where I can see things is that there's there's a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of like debate right now, especially with um, transgenderism like being very prevalent in the in like in the media and the community mm -hmm. and all of that. And um, there's a lot of like taking sides and camps of like either you're like totally with us or totally against us. Mm -hmm. um, and I imagine that you you see a lot of that. Um, but I also, you know, wonder about some of the complexity of just like the middle ground of that as well. Just sort of like my musings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's actually been really interesting, too, because I think, oh, I mean, it's so complicated, especially when it is become when identity has become such a political thing. Mm -hmm. uh, because it does sort of put it more on the forefront of people's minds. But it's been really interesting to lead a space for folks that are late bloomers who 
are, are coming into not only their own identities, but also like trying to grapple with some of the ideas that they may have had about sexuality and gender later in life. And I think what that has ultimately looked like is a lot of like uncertainty about like, how do I talk about this? Or am I using the right words? Or what if I say the wrong thing and offend somebody? And, and that can make it feel really precarious when like folks don't know where they can get support. And so to be able to create spaces that allow folks to be able to make mistakes while also being able to learn has been a really powerful thing for me personally. And I think it's also been something that has been really helpful and supportive for the clients that are in those spaces as well. Hmm. So share a little bit more about your group, your late bloomers group, and what are some of the things that you see come out of that group? Yeah. So transparently, this is actually, um, I just started this group over the summer Okay. And it was mostly because I really felt like I needed a community of late bloomers when I was coming out. Mm -hmm. And I think I mostly just got lucky in that I ended up finding some friends who were in very similar life experiences where they were coming out later in life and grappling with their identities. Um, and I know that that's not the case for a lot of people. And so to be able to create that community felt really important to me. And when I started the group, it was sort of a lightly advertised, honestly, um, mostly because I was just kind of trying to feel out what the response was going to be. And I was pretty overwhelmed by how many people reached out, which both said like, yes, this is really needed. And also how do I fit another spot of this group into my calendar? Um, mm -hmm. And I think what has really been the biggest takeaways for me from the first run of this group is how powerful it has been for people to just be in the same space as other people who are going through similar things that they are. We've had a lot of conversations around um, internalized homophobia. We've had a lot of conversations around what it's like to actually enter into your first queer relationship We've talked about some of the challenges of existing as a queer person in this country and in the world in general. Um, some of the issues that can, can feel challenging to navigate as you come out later, like what to do with relationships that you may be in, marriages that you may be in, um, even down to like, how do I tell my children or things like that. Um, but more than anything, the, the feedback has been, it has just been so nice to feel like I'm not alone. And so um, the group was set up as a six week time limited group. And I've ultimately decided to create it as an ongoing space where folks will kind of have the opportunity to come in and out after six weeks. So it's, it's sort of on a cohort model, so to speak, where people come in in between runs and then the group is closed for six weeks. And then I have a couple of weeks off to do potential new intakes and then run the group again for another six weeks. And so I'm getting ready to run that next cohort starting in um, just a couple of weeks on September 11th, which is exciting. Wow. Okay. So are you seeing people in person for that group or uh, virtually? Yeah, in person, because I, I struggle with online groups. It starts to feel a little bit like a, a meeting. And so it's been in person for now. But 
Uh, I've had a lot of feedback that people would like for an online space to exist too. So I think that'll be something that I'm going to try and figure out how to make happen, if not in the fall, certainly after the holidays. It's wonderful that you've been able to open a space like that and be able to um, get enough people involved that you can run a group for that. Um, that's that's a ongoing challenge for groups in general, I think, is finding enough people to be able to run it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that was something that I was kind of expecting was that it was going to be, you know, I, I kind of had set a arbitrary cap of eight people thinking, mm-hmm. you know, if I if I get eight, that's great. But if not, you know, five would be just fine to run this group mm-hmm. and ended up having like almost 20 people reach out. Wow. <laughs> and so and, and for an in-person group, I was honestly very surprised again that people were willing to drive, you know, I have an office in downtown Raleigh. So people were willing to drive into the city, deal with parking and show up to a space that most of them had never been in to be able to do this group. I had one other quick question. How has it been um, running a business with your partner? So it's how do you find balance? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) It's a challenge, huh? It is. It is. I, you know, I started Half Moon Mental Health and Wellness myself, and it was really um, just for me. And then over the course of the last uh, year and a half or whatever, since I've been running this business, Marley and I, my partner and I have been wanting to create more than just a community here in Raleigh, but also a community across, you know, across the country in different spaces. And so we just started Half Moon Rising, which is our new business. And so it, it, we're still in the planning and development phases, which has made it feel kind of exciting. But I think a lot of what we have learned is that containment has been the biggest key piece to being able to manage having a relationship while also running a business together. You're saying containment, like like you set specific work hours and you only work within those hours. <laughs> or at least we try to. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Brianna, thank you so much for coming on today. How can listeners find out more about you, either, you know, website, social media? Sure. Yeah. So folks are welcome to come and visit our website at halfmoonmentalhealth.com. And we're also on Instagram. That's our probably most um, regularly used social media platform. And the handle is halfmoon underscore MHW. Um, And you can find that on our website, too. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming. And for those of you listening, if you like the show, go ahead and um, go on to bizradio.us to find more of this um, and be sure to like and subscribe. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events and more.